Season 2, Episode 4 of the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. This week's guest is someone that is a legend in the South African birding community. I get to chat to Aldo Beruti, who is based in the beautiful KwaZulu-Natal town called Underberg. In this episode, Aldo is going to be your virtual guide on a trip up Sani Pass, one of South Africa's best birding spots. He tells us all about the birds, the spots, and everything you need to know about planning a trip. Aldo's online courses are available on the Birding Life's online store. The courses are well-priced, and there are courses available to different levels of birders. For those that are listening to this episode on the week that it has been released, from the 27th of October until the 2nd of November 2021, we have a fantastic special on Vortex Diamondback HD 10x42 binoculars. We are giving a 300 rand saving plus a free year subscription to the BirdPro app, as well as free shipping. To take advantage of this offer, either email us on info at thebirdinglife.com or message us on any of our social media platforms and we will send you a discount code to apply when you check out the store. The link for the online store is in the notes to the show. So let's dig into this week's episode. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lesser Bird Logging app. Spot, plot, play a part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is a lot more than just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other. Amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously where to find amazing birds. Check out our website at www.thebirdinglife.com, our YouTube channel, our various social media platforms, as well as the other podcasts we host. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to help others find the show. So let us get into this week's episode of the Birding Life Podcast. So Aldo, we've done a webinar with you. It's good to have you on the podcast. So welcome to the show all the way from Underberg in KZN. Yeah. Hi, Adam. Thank you. Great to be here. It's an absolutely fantastic part of the world. Uh, I think it's quite cold up there right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, not unusual for this neck of the woods. It has a bit of a reputation that way. And uh, this year, summer is taking a long time to take hold, I tell you. So in this episode, we're going to do a virtual tour of Sani Pass. And if you've never been there, if you're listening from either South Africa or overseas, you've never been to Sani Pass, it's one of the best birding destinations in our country. But before we chat about Sani Pass, for the sake of listeners who have no idea who you are, Aldo, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, thanks, Adam. So briefly then, so I was born and bred in Durban, actually a good long time ago now. And uh, my birding began with misnetting and ringing of birds as a boy. I mean, what a pleasure it was. But it set me on a path through a university career to become a bird researcher. And so I've worked variously on, from albatrosses on Marion Island to water birds at Lake St. Lucia, coastal seabirds in the Western Cape, quilias in the Drakensberg, portils, game birds, including sand grouse in the Kalahari, and warblers everywhere. And that, you know, research career included uh, an MSc and PhD along the way. 
But there was then a big change for me. I became a, an admin guy, the first director of BirdLife South Africa in 96. Hey, and that was an exciting and ultimately a successful time. Uh, establishing BirdLife uh, highlights such as the establishment of the Buckestrum Centre, the Angula Project, the Community Guide Training Program. We ran the 22nd International Ornithological Congress. Anyway, that's in the rearview mirror now. I'm a, I'm a birding guide, or should I say I was, in the absence of tourists through COVID, I've been running now online birding courses. But you know, through Adam, through all of this, I really I love interpreting birds to people. I love showing people birds and how to become a birder, whether it was part of a job or just an outright pleasure. So there it is, quick nutshell. We had you on as on one of our webinars where you did a little bit of an a uh, little bit of a taste of the online courses. So you know, in case someone doesn't listen to the end, which I'm sure they're going to, because this is going to be a fascinating time to, together. Can you tell us about these online courses and also how people can book to attend one? Yeah, Adam. You know, I've got now seven courses, and uh, in fact, the Birding Life. Go to the Birding Life shop, and they are there. Um, I've got three courses scheduled for this year. But we will, in fact, tomorrow we're going to schedule a full program going into the next year. So everyone listening, all available in Birding Life's online shop. And, uh, you know, I really just want to make the point that these tend to be small groups which are interactive. And I I love to allow people the freedom to explore and develop their, their skills within this context. So it's it's not a pressurized environment. And you know, I've really worked hard to to show people too that it's better to learn processes and protocols for identifying birds rather than trying to cram the individual details for 800 plus bird species into into your head. So, like I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to be doing a virtual tour of Sony Pass in this episode, and we're going to give lots of tips and advice on where you can find all the specials. So firstly, for those that are looking to come to Sani Pass, can you just give us an overview of some of the special species that they can expect to see? Yeah, Adam, you know, you were spot on talking about how, how special it is. I think it's, it gets rated as one of the top 10 destinations in South Africa. And, and we have a big five and good African tradition here. The Drakensberg Rock Jumper, Drakensberg Siskin, Mountain Pippet, all three of these at over 2,700 meters. And then bearded vulture and gurney sugarbirds are really high value targets. Then, you know, we have what I call a second tier, which includes range restricted or difficult birds like bush blackcap, Barrett's warbler, buff streak chat, sentinel rock thrush, ground woodpecker, rock puppet, African rock puppet, Layard's warbler, some seasons, fantail grass warbler. Um, you know, there's some interesting stuff. If you're coming from KZN and you're keen on your bird list for the province, this is the place to try and get a number of species. Apart from those that I've already mentioned, this is would be where you would get Layard's warbler, yellow canary, grated, sicklewing chat, and caruprinia on your KZN list. And potentially, you know, there's some Karoo species too, which come right at the northeast edge of their range. So that includes large-billed lark, um, sort of fairy flycatcher, 
sickle wing chat again and great it. So marvelous place, Adam, really is. So we spoke when we were chatting earlier about the fact that the weather is quite cold and it's not unusual. We were actually up in the Drakensberg this past weekend and yeah, you can be sunny one minute and half an hour later, the wind picks up and it's ice cold. So for those who are looking to do the pass, what are some practical things that they should note in terms of things like vehicles, um, seasons to come in, temperatures they can expect and even things like passport requirements? Okay, so there's perhaps four critical requirements, a four by four with an experienced driver and passports, you've mentioned that. And bad weather clothing, you've also mentioned that a bit earlier. You know, it doesn't matter what time of year it is, a cold front can come through and uh, historically snow has been recorded on top in every month of the year, right into January. So in winter too, you need uh, you, you need warm gear. Uh, always though, because you know you end up over three thousand meters, you need your sunburn kit as well. Sturdy shoes, strongly recommended. A sense of adventure too for the pass, no doubt about that. And weather, you you we've touched on it now. At any time of year, you can hit a bad patch of weather. And what you really want to be watching for when you go up the path, keep an eye on the long-term weather predictions. It's easy now with modern predictions to pick up the big weather fronts when they come through and you want to avoid those. But, you know, you need to be geared for the idea it can be windy very often uh, and in summer it can rain anytime. So you just have to brace yourself for that. If we were to schedule ourselves according to weather predictions, well, we wouldn't go up about half the time. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But, you know, you just give it a go. And and generally, uh, in fact, almost invariably, you pick up a lot of what you need at the worst. So, you know, the border post, now this is interesting. The South African border post actually lies eight kilometer from the real actual physical border, which is right on the top. And so to access those high altitude birds, people think it's no man's land, but it is South Africa. You have to go through this border post with your passport at that point. Even if you do not enter the Sutu, you need your passport. Currently with COVID, you can go to the Lesotho border without any vaccination certificate or test. But if you go into Lesotho, you will have to have a test done at the South African border post, an instant test at a cost of about 300 rand or so currently. Uh, It doesn't matter what your status is. You have to do this. Uh, You can expect changes in this protocol. You need to stay abreast of that. So best birding time, of course, October late middle late october through to early march for the migrants but you know any time of year and i mean it's such a special place every south african should get up there just once in their life any time of year will give you some of those specials at the least and uh, yeah i guess that's about it Tata. so you are based in underberg and underberg is probably one of my favorite places in the whole of south africa 
yeah, just on a side note, this is an un, unapologetic plug. There's no money involved in this. The Lemon Tree, that little coffee shop, is one of my favorite, favorite places to go and stop whenever I go. It's like it's almost like a mandatory stop when I go to Howick. Oh, to Underberg, sorry. So, uh, like I said, Underberg is a stunning cl- uh, town that's close to the pass, and it's a great base for those who are doing the trip. So, as a local, what can visitors to Underberg expect with facilities and accommodation options? Look, there's tourism is a is a big deal in this district, and so you know Underberg and Heimville, which is just five kilometres away, you can think of them as the same place. There's a there's an absolute plethora of accommodation. There's a whole range of B and Bs to uh, a couple of large hotels, and and there are timeshares around. There's even camping options. So there's there's a wide choice. You just want to get onto the internet and have a look. Underberg has a great supermarket. That sounds a bit of an odd thing to say, but we really have a nice supermarket. And basically, as a tourist coming in, you can get whatever you need from from the shops in in uh, Underberg and Heimville to to look after your your trip into the area. So, for those who are going up, um, what practical birding tips would you give to people that want to see lots of birds as they head up the pass? I, I think, first of all, you need to focus on trying to the the sweet spot or the zigzags near the top there, and you need to try and focus on getting yourself there by sort of nine or ten o'clock or so. So it's an early start, and it's tempting, I think, possibly to spend. Bit too much time at, at the bottom. Focus on the the area for, as you start to to go up the pass and and try and do it. The, why I say to get there before midday is because the wind tends to get worse in the afternoon, and as you know, wind really suppresses bird activity a whole lot. So you're going to be using your your ears a lot and your your apps for your target birds. Just be uh, clear on on the noises you're going to hear. If if you're going to go for a really full list of birds, it's going. You might want to even spend two days on the pass. You can find you can expect to find nearly all the specials that get mentioned. Uh, you can cram it into one day quickly if you dare I say it. If you hire one of the the, the local experienced guys, uh, I would also recommend a scope. On occasion, you know, you're looking at great distance. Even things like rock puppets can be 100 meters away in the mountains and the scope comes in enormous use. So I think those are, those are my kind of hot tips at this stage. So what we can do, we can do a bit of, like I said, we can do a virtual tour and we're going to kind of go head up the, the, the Sony Pass and just kind of, stop at different spots and instead of just going as a whole we're going to kind of go a little bit by little bit so you people can even take notes so when you get to do a trip up there you can kind of note where the different birds are so let's start with the drive from underberg to the sony pass hotel what are some birds that can we that can you can expect to see yeah adam i'm going to cheat here a bit because with with reflection on what i was saying earlier another thing to do in this area is to spend time and the grasslands and wetlands at lower altitudes. And these are the kinds of things that you're going to pick up on towards the Sani Pass Hotel. To me, the Sani Pass basically birding experience begins really seriously 
as you get to the end of the current golf course of Sony Pass and you start getting into the Oho there. So I, I would just suggest make that your, your, your starting point. You know, the lowlands have got three crane species. Uh, you might see a busted, um, not particularly on this stretch, you know, half-collared kingfisher and things like that. But to me, focus on the pass and its specials. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We really hope you are enjoying the episode. If you would like to support us and help grow the show, please, can we ask that you do two things? Firstly, please share the show on your favorite social media channel. Tell us why you enjoy the show and be sure to tag us in the post. This is one of the best ways to help get the word out about the podcast and bring more exposure to the guests that are featured and the conservation issues that are covered. Secondly, to help us cover the costs and to improve the quality of the show, please can you consider buying us a virtual coffee or two? This is a quick, safe and easy way to contribute to the show. You will find a link for this in the notes of the show. Just in terms of the pass and the area around, what raptor specials can people expect to see? I know a lot of people are like, they love raptors. What raptors are in the area? I mean, I know obviously one of them is your Cape Vulture, but what else could could people expect to see? Yeah, you know, it's actually a very good raptor area. Uh, and I've already mentioned the bearded, which you can see essentially right from the bottom of the pass to the top. And you've mentioned Cape Vulture, the, the bread and butter is jackal buzzard and long-crested eagles are, are fairly common. But um, we have seen a wide range of, of, of species and possibles. They, they quite often, you know, they may be quite irregular, but you're looking at rufous-breasted sparrowhawk and peregrine that we've seen in forest buzzards as, as some of the more special birds, common buzzard, also very widespread in summer. Uh, rock kestrel and lanner, fairly frequent, especially near the top, right on top. In some summers, we, we actually see black harrier uh, frequently. That's in Lesotho. I've uh, had pale chanting goss up there as a rarity. I think that's about it. Oh, black, black, spar, black sparrowhawk is, is also in, in the district as well. And then just, just on a tip basis, you know, that you spoke about the, the Cape Vulture versus the Bearded Vulture. You know, for people that are going up, I know there's times where I can struggle to differentiate. What are some tips that you can give, you know, if you they're soaring over you? You know, how do you differentiate between the two species besides taking a photo and sending it to a friend? Yeah. Look, Bearded Vulture has a very unvulture-like shape. I, I would say to people, look, think of it as a gigantic falcon because the wings are, are comparatively narrow. I mean, it's one of the biggest wingspans of any of our birds, but just go, go large in your imagination. And then the tail, it's got that wedge-shaped tail, so a pointy tail, whereas the Cape Vulture now, relatively broad wings and a rounded tail. So even if the bird is totally silhouetted and you can't pick up any color at all, those two shapes are so distinctive that uh, you should be able to get onto it quite quickly. Oh, just thought of another, Adam. We occasionally pick up Vero's eagle, and hopefully they're becoming more common because 
the Hyraxes are starting, it appears, to come back in numbers. Uh, that'll be good, good bird to have around more frequently. So now we're going to start to get onto the pass and we're going to look at the drive between the South African border post and the Lesotho border post, that place which, like you said, some people think is no man's land. It seems like it can be, it can be quite a tricky place to navigate. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd like to just focus on that area of the protea grassland first, which is just before the border post, because there are some important birds in there, particularly then Gurney's sugar bird. But, you know, this is also where, where you're going to pick up on Buff Street Chat, uh, Bandit Martin, Wailing Sisticula, you know, Ground Woodpecker, Longbill Pippet, Horus Swift, they're all possible here. Uh, Yellow Bishop, Malachite, Cape Grassbird are quite common, and so on. Now, the border post itself is a, is a good birding spot, and you can give over a bit of time there. It's a place where... You can first come across Barrett's Warbler. I think a lot of people pick up Barrett's Warbler as a lifer on Sarnie Pass because in the, in the Oho, so this is the dominant scrub along, along the rivers and uh, where it's protected from, from um, uh, fire, leucosidia. The Barrett's Warblers are quite common in there. And, you know, typically they occur in dense edges of, of evergreen forests and that sort of habitat. So here they're in this other habitat, and you, which is more open below, and it gives you a much better shot. This is a bird you need to, to know the call. And you drive along, hear the call, have a look for the bird. Try and find a spot where you can look through, through the Ohot. And uh, we, um, right, just fairy flycatcher, bush blackcap, couple of others there at the border post. Now, the road is being upgraded. And so the upgraded road finishes, hasn't been completely tied yet, at the border post. After the border post, we get into Bad Road. It's in pretty poor condition at the moment. Uh, and uh, so many of the birds that I've kind of mentioned already occur in this stretch as well. So you're picking up Let's see, you know, there's also a grass bird in that area. And as you get higher, so as you get close to the zigzags, you start entering, you, you come into grey wing Franklin area. Quite hard to see again, need to be reliant on calls mainly. And the sweet spot, the sweet spot, as I mentioned, is that uh, the zigzags. And as you hit the bottom of the zigzags, which is about 2,700 meters or so, then you start picking up both the provincial rarities and, and those big five. So that is when you start picking up on Drakensberg, Siskin, and Rock Jumper. Siskin is quite common. You need to just listen for the call. You need to spend time sometimes listening for, for the Rock Jumper. Both of these birds are kind of almost ignore birders. They don't seem to be as aware as, as many of the lowland birds are, so they can come pretty close. But also then in this zone, you've got things like Cape Bunting, Caruprinia, Yellow Canary, Fairy Flycatcher start emerging uh, as, as you get into, into this zone. And then finally, as you top out as you get to the top of the pass. Now, 
the actual border is about sort of 100 meters from the top of the pass, as it were. So as you come up on the top, you've got the highest pub on your right, and then the Lesotho border post ahead. And beyond the border post and to the left, there are the flats. Now, even if you don't go into Lesotho, there is a chance on those flats on the South African side, and particularly with the scope scanning through those flats of, of mountain pippet. But in that summit area then, here's where you would be looking for uh, sicklewing chat, grey tit, um, I think I've mentioned yellow canary already, sentinel rock thrush, sentinel rock thrush up there. All the ibises are, can be actually quite common there. And, you know, any time, with a bit of luck, a bearded vulture can just come over your head. I think I've just about exhausted the list there. Oh, to go into Lesotho, uh, what that does for you is... You send a, you will get large build lock then if you're looking hard, and you get much better chance then or an improved chance on mountain puppet and layards, fairy flycatcher, and great tit, those in particular. Uh, so if you have the time and that, it's it's a good thing to do to to go a bit further, and you're scanning on the hillsides, taking your time listening all the time so just just a couple of things i know you've, you've almost covered most of of the actual sani pass at the moment but just a couple of things i think on a practical basis firstly you spoke about the fact that you can possibly get karupania so you get drakensberg and karupania both in the pass how does how do you differentiate between the two species i know i, I actually find it very very tricky at times how do you tell the difference between the two yeah, it's, it, it isn't easy at times. And and the, the field guides tend to kind of make it easy. And they say, look, above this height, it's Karoo. Below that, it's Drakensberg Prinia. Not quite so. So classically, a Drakensberg Prinia is, is more finely streaked on the breast and has a yellowish wash below, whereas the Karoo Prinia, strongly streaked on a white background below and a white throat. Except that juvenile Karuprinias have got a yellowish wash. And we have at times uh, with uh, Stuart McLean in particular, long-standing guide on the past, we've come across these mixed pairs of birds. And, and there are birds at times where we say, well, we think it's a Karoo or we think it is a Drakensberg Prinia. Even within Drakensberg Prinias, some of them can be quite strongly marked, and some of the Karoo Prinias less heavily marked below. So there is that zone of uncertainty. Um, so spend a bit of time, work it out. They sound exactly the same to me. And there may be birds that you go, hmm, not sure about that one. The thing is, you spoke earlier about the importance of calls, and I think there's a lot of LBJs on the on the pass, um, which you know can be really tricky. You know, just you obviously do courses. We spoke about the earlier, and I think people are starting to hear about the the caliber of person. You know, you can hear the the way you're able to explain things in a very practical way. So, two things, and the first will be for even for people that aren't going to Sony Pass. What are some practical tips that you can give to help people to learn calls? 
And secondly, for those that are looking to do a Sarni Pass trip, what are these are these species that they should maybe concentrate on? Some of this, which which species do you think they should go through? Because obviously they can try and learn every bird, and they're just going to get overwhelmed. Or are there certain birds that you think they should go through and try and nail down those calls in preparation for the the trip up? Yeah, that's um, both good questions there, Adam. I, how do you learn calls? You know, I think everyone's had this. Calls are more difficult than than visual uh, recognition. And once you accept that and you work on it, uh, I think it helps reduce the frustrations of uh, struggling to, to pick up bird calls. If there are ways that you can, classic memory tricks, if you can, if there are ways of appending that call, putting words to it, you know, the absolute classic is, you know, how's father, how's father for the Cape turtle dove, coo, 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 and so on. That really helps. But you may have your your own words for something. Uh, I always think in my head, for example, of rattling cesticula is a chi chi chir, and I actually see the words as as I hear the call. But practice. There's nothing like practice in your own surroundings to make you call aware. So you hear something different, you're onto it quickly, and that gives you what can I say, like a peripheral auditory. Uh, awareness. And another don't, don't try and learn 10 calls at once, because I think that's a pass, uh, a quick path to to overload. I think key for the Sani pass, getting on to what calls should you know, um, birds which you're really going to pick up really firstly by call alone. Uh, Barrett's is right up there uh, and I'm going to deal now only with the, the regular species. Barrett's, uh, fairy flycatcher, I think siskin, uh, rock pipit. So on the pass, you can hear the rock pipit clearly, and it can be 150 meters away. So that can be a, a serious challenge. Grey wing Franklin, these uh, bush black cap. I think these are top of mind. For, for birds which are very, very much going to be called first. And I, I would also go with Gurney's sugarbird, actually, because, you know, for a big bird, it looks like such a conspicuous thing. If they're sitting inside a protea bush, they, they're really easy to overlook, but you can certainly pick up uh, that call from quite a way away, and it's a high-value bird. So that, those would be my top-of-the-head recommendations for investing in, in in learning the calls. And then last question. Um, you kind of touched on it earlier, but if somebody's looking to come up and, you know, don't just want to do the pass, but want to do areas around the pass, you know, Underberg's got some great birding in the area. Um, I know you can head towards Harmville and, you know, even going up towards Nottingham Road and that. There's a lot of areas around there for some fantastic birding. So if somebody wants to come up and... Um, you know, do a birding trip. What do you think is the ideal kind of time they need to come up, and what are some areas that they think that you think that they should focus on for for the time they're there? You know, the prime time is summer, so it is late October, um, and I would tend to make it a bit earlier in summer. To you know, the typical thing is the breeding season goes by, the birds tend to fall silent, and and things become a lot more grown up uh, vegetation. That is. So 
prime times then October, November, December, I guess. I would give over time to working in addition to Sarnie Pass, the grasslands around Underberg. You've got, I've mentioned the cranes and the bustards. It's a good place to, and yeah, it does require a bit of inside knowledge, I guess, to pick up wattled crane, which seems to be picking up in numbers and in uh, they seem to be more pairs breeding. For once, a good news story. But another consideration are the two local misbelt forests. So Marutswa is comparatively well marked and easily found. That's on the edge of Bulwa. And then there's Umeni Forest, which is at Donnybrook and more difficult to locate. So these are, are spots where you can pick up on those misbelt specials, so orange ground thrush, white-starred robin, and, and then all of those things like yellow-throated warbler. Oh, Cape Parrot. Gee, nearly forgot Cape Parrot there. But there's, uh, you know, the full range of those um, forest birds, great cuckoo shrike, one of my best birds. And just a little further down, although very difficult now to access uh, blue swallow, I guess blue swallow is now more easily found at Roselands. But, uh, yeah, so I would give over at least as much of two whole days in the area. And if you're able to to put in a third, it's not a place where you get huge long bird lists, but the quality of what you get here on a provincial and even a Southern African basis, I think is brilliant. I really do. Yeah, so it's been great to chat to you, Aldo. And I know earlier on, like you, we mentioned that you your bird courses are available on the online store. So you've heard the quality of, of Aldo. You know that he's an experienced birder and he's able to explain things in a really practical and easy way to understand. So I encourage you to go on there and get 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 signed up for one of Aldo's online courses. And again, you know, plan a trip up to Sony Pass. And if you need any tips or advice, just drop us a, a message, an email on info at thebirdinglife.com. We'd love to help you out. And yeah, but Aldo, thank you so much for your time. I know you're rushing off. Um, you've got a, a recording, uh, you've got a class tonight. So thanks for your time. It's always good to chat to you. Thanks, Adam. And thank you to you guys at The Birding Life. Uh, I, I think what you guys are trying to do in in uh, in the birding life is is great so power to your arm thank you very very much for the opportunity to to give this podcast thanks adam we are proud to be working in association with wild books online store to help get all the best birding and nature books into your hands at a great price if you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link either in the comment section of this podcast or our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Don't forget to follow The Birding Life on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Bird Lassa and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a lifeless while playing your part in social conservation, as well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.